Welcome to Global River Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit globalriver.org. Good morning, everyone. Great to be back with you this morning. How many are able to come this weekend? Awesome. Thank you for coming. Just thankful for what the Lord did. Thanks for everyone who helped. I know there's a lot of things that need to take place to host people and make things work. And so appreciate all those people who helped and volunteered and gave to do what God's called us to do this weekend. So um, I want to let you know we have a resource table back there. Last month we hosted a faith conference in Fayetteville. Probably almost every year I look to hear, uh, one of the words I look to hear is uh, uh, Jerry Seville always releases a word for 2000 every year, and and this past year was Marvels, Wonders, and Extraordinary Manifestations, and we put it up around our, um, everything we do, we we just add one of his words, and uh, this year we hosted him, and he had, uh, he told us that uh, one of the things the Lord really showed him was that uh, 2020 would be a year of supernatural increase for the body of Christ. So, um, if you want to hear that, you just give some practical ways of how you can walk in that. And then um, if you want uh, the, the teachings from this weekend, I think they'll be available on MP3. You can order them also on CD. I know some people like CDs. I don't have a CD player in my car anymore. So everything's been turned into an MP3. All right. Why don't we lift our hands? There's just a I sensed a, a, a real river of healing, and we're just lifting our hands as a sign of surrender. And I just, uh, Lord, I just thank you for everything you've done. Thank you for the testimonies, but also I, I just thank you now for healing bodies. Arthritis be healed. Two people with lower back pain be healed. Right ear be healed pain, you have like, um, it's like a pain, it goes down your neck, and I believe it goes to your right shoulder, I believe it's a nerve thing, be healed now, in Jesus' name, be healed now, in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, that you're the healer, you're the healer, and we just partner with what you already want to do in this room. Headaches, there's about three people in here, you have headaches, one of them, it's from uh, tension, and the Lord is setting you free right now. It's from um, just things you got going on in your life. But it's like, be healed right now. But it's, it's like the Lord is telling you, don't take your issues back because it'll just come right back on you because that's what it's caused. It's actually natural things that cause your physical problem. So be healed now in Jesus' name. There's uh, three people in this room, uh, you, you, you battle depression and you've broken through, one and you broke through for a season, but it's like it's come back on you, and part of it's because it's a generational thing, and I just, if that's you without embarrassment, actually everybody just lift your hand so it's not embarrassing, be set free in Jesus' name, there it is. generational unclean spirit that manifests itself at depression has to go today. And the Lord says he's uh, 
cleaning house in the house of God. And there's a purifying presence in this room here. To walk in purity, holiness, righteousness. The Lord says to his people that this is not a season to entertain little areas in your life opposite the purposes of God. The Lord says, I've made all provision for you to walk holy and righteous before me. I believe that there's three people in this room... um, it's like the picture I see, it's like you're, you're like a little child who's made a mistake and you're just cowering in the room because you're afraid of what people will think. And the Lord says your freedom is bringing that thing into the light. The Lord says your freedom is bringing that thing into the light. And when you bring it into the light, the Lord says your freedom will come. The Lord says you can't break that thing on your own. You've tried and you've tried and you tried. And the Lord says... I'm really happy that you made an effort, but the Lord says this has to be done by getting it out into the light. And and the Lord says, one of you need to tell your spouse. Thank you, Lord. Lord, thank you for the ministry of Jesus being in this room. And the Lord says to his people here that there's been uh, a five-year season of adjusting, of transition, of actually... The Lord says, allowing things to die that needed to die because they weren't built on the right foundation. But the Lord says, this house will be like Lazarus. It's going to resurrect. And the Lord says, now the Lord says to his people here, it is no longer time to just maintain. It's time to dream again. The season has come to dream again. Dream again, dream again, dream again. And the Lord says, I want you to review the written record because without prophetic revelation, my people perish. And I want you to review the written record of the things I've spoken even 20 years ago over this house because they're more relevant today than they were at any other season. Did I not say faith is now the substance of things hoped for? The Lord says, you'll begin this new season when you begin to receive the hope and the vision that I have for the future of this house. And the hope and the vision I have for this house is great. Great, great, great is the vision over this house. And the Mahasokabaya. The Lord says, I'm going to hold you responsible for uh, stewarding the purposes of God for your generation. And so the Lord says, it's incumbent upon you to dream and dream again of the purposes of God. For if you don't dream as I intend you to dream... The Lord says you will miss your opportunity to pass the baton for the next generation. And I see this picture of the walls in this room expanding. And so the Lord says, I want to expand your hearts 
ability to see me, and as you see me properly, you'll dream in a different place. And as you dream in a different place, great, great, great will the joy be in this city for the people of God. The Lord says, I want you to leave a legacy in this city of the purposes of God and the kingdom of God being established. For yes, you've opened things in the spirit and you've unlocked things in the spirit as a pioneering house. That's why you've seen so many uh, challenges and things that have come against the purposes of God. But the Lord says, the greater is here and the greater I desire to begin today. And the Lord says, don't look to the past to define where I want to take you in this season. For the Lord says, you have not been this way before. You have not been this way before. But step by step, through my word and through the grace of God, you will fulfill. You will fulfill. You will fulfill that which I've called you to do. And make no mistake about it, there is more. There's more to see. There's more to do. There's more to activate. The Lord says, I'm looking for laborers in this season. Laborers in every way. Laborers in every way. Laborers for my harvest. Harvest of souls. Harvest of every way. Harvest of everything you can think about. This is a season of harvest, and this is a season of uncommon favor for my people and the assignments that I've called them to. There's some in this room, the Lord says, you've been plowing and plowing and plowing and plowing, and you, you, you said, surely I, I thought I've heard for the Lord, but it doesn't seem like you've had the breakthrough. The Lord says to you, the next three to six months will be your greatest breakthrough. So hold on, hold on to the words that I've spoken. Hold on to the things I've said. Hold on, because when you hold on to what I say, it comes in your heart and it begins to break through. So breakthrough is your portion. Breakthrough is your portion. But there is also uh, a warning for some of you in this room. The Lord says, you have been sitting in a place of passivity. And the Lord says, I, I, I'm going to just take your assignment and give it to someone else who is willing if you don't begin to move in this next season. For I've spoke, Mahaso, I've spoken and I've spoken again and again and again, and I've tried to get you to move. And the Lord says, This is not a season to sit back and be passive. But the Lord says, There is freedom today for you. There's freedom today for you for where you've lost hope because the enemy's tried to get you to lose hope. But the Lord says, I'm the freedom giver and I'll restore hope. But the Lord says, it's not time there to look inward. It's not time to look at your circumstances because when you look at that, you'll stay passive. And this is not a season to be passive because there is an accelerating grace and there's an apostolic grace upon this people to move ahead and advance in the purpose of the Lord. The Lord says, if you like the way things are here, if you like things just the way they are, the Lord says, that is not my agenda for this season because I want you to move, 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 and move ahead in the purposes of God. The Lord says, if you stay and if you just enjoy the place that you're at, you will cease to become relevant and you'll become a religious relic in this city of what I did in yesteryear.
So it's a season of advancement. It's a season of dreaming. And it's a season of putting your, a season of putting your hand to the plow to do the work of the Lord. And there's a call in this room for many of you in this room to put the kingdom of God first. You've actually put aside the vision and the purpose and the prophetic word over your life and you've allowed the things of this world to cloud it. You've allowed enjoyment of the things of this world to cloud the purposes of God. And the Lord says to you, I'm going to hold you responsible for what I asked you to do and what you did not produce if you don't put your hand to the plow in this season. Do you not know your greatest life? Your greatest life is hidden in surrender to me. Your greatest life of fruitfulness is, give, is given when your life is surrendered to me. So there is an invitation to surrender all. Not some, but all. Every part of your heart and every part of your life. And the Lord says, I want to remind some of you of where you were when you came into the kingdom. That you would do anything, you would say anything, but the Lord says, you've gotten passive, you've gotten passive, you've gotten passive, and you're living from principle and not from command. And there's a, dead, there's a deadness on the inside of you that I want to reawake because I'm the restorer. And the Lord says, I'm not angry with you. I'm not mad at you. But the Lord says, I'm speaking directly to you so that you would know. So that you would know, so that you would know and not be ignorant of what I'm doing in the earth. And I want to make you a participator. There is grace. There's grace to turn. There's grace to turn. For some of you started on that path. You start on that path and you got disappointed. You got offended. You, you, things didn't turn out the way you thought. And so you thought you would stay in cruise control maintenance mode. And the Lord says, that is not the place I desire you to be. That's not the place I desire you to live from. I desire to break you free from every pull of the world system. I desire to break you free from every place in your heart that is more passionate about the things of this world than the things of God. And there is a dividing line in the spirit and an invitation to go all the way in the purposes of God. That's what I've called this house to do, to be a house that goes all the way, not half-hearted, not half-hearted, not half in and half out. But the Lord says, all the way, all the way, because I've given you all the way. There's all these resources I've given this house. There's jewels in the kingdom of God. There's encounters with me. There's wisdom and understanding. The Lord says there's million-dollar ideas in this house. There's million-dollar ideas in this house. There's million, but the Lord says you're clouded because you can't see them. You're clouded because you can't see them because your focus is in the wrong place.
I just see like the, the roof being blown off the top of this building. The Lord says, this is not a man-made thing that I have birthed through Global River. This is not the idea of man. This is not an idea for a good religious organization. This is not a good idea just to come here on Sunday morning and enjoy a few things in the presence of the Lord. This is a heavenly mandate to serve the purposes of God for your generation. Thank you, Lord. Father, we just receive your word. Whoa. They didn't expect all that. That's how it is when you're walking with the Lord, isn't it? You start somewhere, and you go down this path. There's a principle that God establishes in uh, Genesis, the first chapter, and it's that he gives man the earth to be the steward. The book of Psalms, verse 11, said God sets his throne up in heaven. And Psalm 115, verse 16, said the heavens, even the heavens are the Lord, but the earth belongs to the children of men. So God is in heaven, and the earth belongs to the children of men, but God, how, do you, how many of you know, has a will and a purpose for the earth? Like he's got lots of plans for the earth. However, because of the principle he's established, and that's a really important idea about the nature of God, and it's this. He is, he is so committed to his word that he cannot violate. In fact, he says, I've exalted my word above my name. You can't separate someone from their word. Like you can't say, Abner's a really good guy, but he's not a guy, a, a guy of his word. No, I'm not a really good guy if I'm not a guy of my word. Mm -hmm. My word 
has to do with who I am and who my character is. Are you a person of your word? Do you lie on your voicemail? I'll call you back as soon as I can. You don't ever call anyone back. You don't ever text anyone back. Do you know one of the signs, one of the signs that you take God seriously at his word, and you might find this funny, but it's absolutely true. One of the signs that you find that you take God seriously or you take his word seriously is that you're a person of your word. Most people, when they're not people of their word, what they're saying is, I don't believe a God, a, a God is a God of his word, so I'm not a person of my word. Haven't 100% arrived there, but I, I'm shooting for God, you're a God of your word. I want my word to be like your word. And I just heard somebody say, I'm really busy. So just change your voicemail. I'm really busy. I'll call you if I can. See, most people are just, what I find is they're just too insecure to actually tell people the truth. So they overcommit to stuff. I just, I can't do it. I'm sorry. But I really need you. I'm sorry. I can't. I, I, I can't do that. I cannot promise you I'll do that. It's more disappointing when that person realizes you're not a person of your word. I don't know why I'm saying this, but just, it's just right. It's right. It's right. The people of God should not be people who they can't count on their word. So he's committed to his word, and he's committed that if he is going to operate in the earth, he needs his people to capture his thoughts and purposes. Everyone comes to the earth with a purpose, and part of your purpose is to serve your generation well. God is multi-generational. So when he put you on the earth, he chose a specific time, and he has something in your life that's supposed to reflect the brilliance of God. Look at 1 Samuel, uh, 1 Samuel 2, one of my favorite thousand verses in Scripture. I love the word of God. Like, if you're bored reading the Bible, please get born again this morning. 1 Samuel 2, verse 35. It's referring to Jesus, but also referring to, uh, uh, most people think, David. Then I will raise up for myself a faithful priest who will do according to what is in my heart and my mind. That's fascinating. It says that this person that God is going to raise up is going to do everything in the heart and the mind of God. I think that's applicable for every person in this room, that you are supposed to be an expression of the heart and the mind of God. But we all do it together because no one has the, the full counsel of God. That's why it says we all have, we have the mind of Christ, not you have. So you're an expression of the heart and the mind of God. And you're supposed to be writing history with God on the earth. So the Lord needs people who will dream like him in the earth. Man was created, and we touched on this earlier this weekend, man was created to live from the voice of God. Man was created to receive information from two different realms, sensories. What's the realm of the senses? Senses are not bad, 
because God gave them to you. Senses is sight, hearing, touch, smell, taste. So when Adam sees Eve, he goes, that's a fine woman. I'll take her. <laughs> when he saw the fruit, he goes, that's good looking fruit. I like that fruit. He saw the most beautiful colors, everything, not bad. But sensory knowledge is limited in understanding. How did Adam discern who he was created to be? Revealed knowledge. God told him through the voice of God, this is who you are. You're called to be amazing. You're called to steward the earth. You're called to be my ambassador. And by the way, you can trust me for everything you need. Revealed knowledge also gives him governing understanding of how to rule the earth. How do we know? Adam could not look at himself and go, what am I supposed to be? You'll get real tripped up when you look on the inside of you. You know, just find the real self. It's not in there. Remember, I had, years ago, I was leading this internship, this program. It's like, I'm going to go find myself. I said, you're going to be looking a long time, son. As in Israel, and the big popular thing is these guys, after they finish the Israeli army, they go to India. They said, I'm on a journey. I'm going to go find myself. I said, I'll save you lots of money. I'll tell you who you is right now. But revealed knowledge was supposed to define our lives. Revealed knowledge is what qualifies us for the purpose of God. And the future, see, God is really, he's like, he's awesome. He's already gone to the end of your life, and then he starts at the beginning of your life. So the good news about that one, he's already gotten past all your mistakes. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. He's already started at the end of your life because I got it all covered for you. So he goes to the end of your life and then puts you on the earth and then goes, I got everything taken care of this man or woman will ever need to dream like me in the earth. And he teaches us. He you also notice the reason we need to distinguish revealed knowledge and sensory knowledge is this, is because the world system is based on sensory knowledge. John in his epistle talk, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, it's all governed on that. It wants you to move by everything you see, and God has created you as a born-again believer to not be moved by what you see, but be moved by what he said and what he said to believe about himself. And he wants you to move emotionally. He wants you to move by, by feelings. Well, I just don't feel it. You're like, feelings is great. But you're not led by feelings. Now, when you're led by the Spirit, it'll affect your feelings. But you have to live your life according to revealed knowledge or else you will live way, way below. And this is also really important because the whole world system is built to put pressure on you you cannot handle. And he teaches us this principle in uh, Proverbs, the 28th chapter, without revelation without revealed knowledge my people perish why do they perish because they can't discern what to do in a particular situation 
Then the New Testament equivalent is John the 16th chapter. He, the spirit of truth, will guide you into all truth, and then he will tell the prophets, no, he will tell you things to come. So the future, as God intends it to be, he's got all these thoughts. Psalm 139, my thoughts towards you are like the sand of the sea. You guys should know, you live in a beach town. That's a lot of thoughts. A lot. And what revealed knowledge does is uh, Isaiah 28, he wants to build your life on this revealed knowledge. Foundation. He doesn't tell you all th- everything at once. I thought when God called me to ministry, I, I thought it was because I, w- I was something. Boy, did I have a lot to learn. But he gives you truth in degrees. That's why fellowship with God is so important. He gives you understanding and the, your, your future isn't out there. Your future is today in what you're agreeing with God right now. If you think your future's out there, you're mistaken. The future is already on the inside of you right now. What are you agreeing to right now that's defining your tomorrow? So here's, here's uh, uh, often, obviously, Old Testament, we have these type and shadows of the Lord Jesus Christ, and Joseph is obviously one of, the, one of them. I want to look at him. We'll, we're going to hit a few things, and then we'll, we'll land the plane. Genesis 37, verse 12. Excuse me. Verse 3, we'll start there. Verse 2, in the middle of that. And the lad was the son of Billah and the sons of Zillah and his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was a son of his old age. Also he made him a tunic of many colors. But his brothers saw their father loved him more than all his brothers. They hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. And Joseph had a dream, and he told it to his brothers, and they hated him even more. So they said to him, please hear this dream which I have dreamed. There there we were, binding sheaves in the field, and behold, my sheaf arose and also stood upright, and indeed your sheaf stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And his brother said, shall you indeed reign over us, or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. And he dreamed still another dream, and he told it to his brother. He said, look, I have dreamed another dream this time. The sun, moon, and 11 stars bowed to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to them, what is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept his matter in mind. These are some fascinating series of scriptures here. Verse 2 begins, it says that Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. That's important there because you'll see that Joseph probably shouldn't have done that, probably is immature, and probably causes his own problems in the earth. So the point in that, it's really encouraging for someone like me, is that God looks to establish his dream in the lives of weak, frailed people and immature people. Because he gives you a dream doesn't mean you're mature. 
It just means that you live in the earth and you're God's son and daughter. I got one amen for that. Still true. And you'll notice there that Joseph is favored by his father in heaven. He has favor even though he's immature. And his favor has nothing to do with anything he's done. That's a big part of living in the earth, knowing the favor of God. You're favored by God for a particular purpose in the earth. Favor is connected to purpose, and favor overrides all natural limitations and unlocks uncommon doors that are yours. Favor is way bigger than a parking spot. Favor has to do with everything that you touch is favored by the Lord. I say it almost every day. I got to get up this morning, Lord, I just thank you. The favor of God is on me. The favor of God surrounds me. The favor of God makes the rules of this world system do not apply to me because I have favor. I say it every time I go to the airport. Thank you, Lord, that I got favor. Lord, I'm believing you for favor. The wonderful thing about trusting the favor of God is that you don't have to manipulate anyone to get where you got to go in the things of God. You just trust the favor of God. You don't have to tell the right people everything you're doing at work. You don't have to, you know, like send an email, look what I did, and this is this, and this is that. You know, the favor, Lord, I just trust you for favor. Lord, thank you for favor. Thank you that the favor of God opens uncommon doors. And then when you see the favor of God, here's one of the ways, just keep it flowing to you, Lord. I just thank you. That's favor right there. Thank you, Lord. Well, that never happens to me, maybe because you think like that. So favor is a gift bestowed as a token of love. It's preferential treatment. And notice he had a jacket that caused him to be favored. He had an outward sign of that favor. My life is a sign of the favor of God. Telling you, when God, well, you think you got this word from God, you can go around the world, can open door, no man can shut, and I'm living in my parents' basement. You better believe in the favor of God. I do. God, if you don't do this. For some of you, that is part of the problem. You're leaning on your own understanding. And you have a good life, but you don't have God's life. You don't get many amens for that, but that's the truth. (laughs) Favor moves you out of the toil. When you lean into the favor of God and trust the favor of God, it moves you out of the toil of this world system. That though you're fishing in the same pond as someone else, that favor goes beyond the environment that they're in because you're in a different environment and causes everything to come towards you. You'll see this, 
You'll see this in Luke, Luke the fifth chapter. Here, here's some characteristics of dreaming. I know we were going to hit a few different things. It's 12 o'clock now. Yeah. They gave it to me a little later, so I'm going to. And I got to go. I got to be somewhere too, so it's okay. So it was, the multitude pressed about him to hear the word of God, and he stood by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them, and they were washing their nets. Then when he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from land, and he sat down and taught the multitudes. But when he stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. Notice that the kingdom of God is incredibly practical. I like visions. I like dreams. I have encounters with the Lord, but it's got to be practical and it's got to produce fruit. If you are laying on the floor shaking, I want to see the fruit of your life. I like it all. I like when God shows up. I like when it gets uncomfortable. I like when it bothers people, but please produce a godly life. Please love your wife properly. Please get a job if you don't have a job. So notice here, you have a fisherman, which was actually a very good profession during that time. And he says this, this line, verse 5, is really important. Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down a net. Just, I just pointed to it. That's what the world system does to you. It makes you toil for what God wants to give you through favor. You'll see this in the life of Joseph, and you'll see this to dream properly. In the kingdom of God, there are no grown-ups. So one of the characteristics of dreaming is, we'll turn there now, Matthew 18, is right here. Verse 2, Jesus said, called the little child and set him in the midst and said, As surely I say to you, unless, notice, New King James, he uses this, this term, converted and become as a little child, you will know by means enter the kingdom of God. Because look at what's happening in Luke, the fifth chapter. You have a carpenter, which actually means builder, telling a fisherman what to do. Makes no sense, except if you trust that he is the son of God, and you also trust in the revealed knowledge that he's giving you. So childlike trust is, not, you cannot go beyond it. You cannot go beyond, you cannot lean into your intellect if you want to dream and walk in the kingdom of God like God intends you to walk. Now go back to Luke 5. He said converted. So that's one of the reasons why we dealt so much with ungodly beliefs. Because many people, I, I, I learned this when I was learning this years ago with the Lord, just learning, still learning it. The Lord showed me. He goes, this is how this operates in your life. When I was a little kid, I remember living in my neighborhood. And someone, one of these kids, I think his bicycle was broken or something. And I said, bring it to my father. My dad can fix Everything. 
And when I made that statement, I'd be five years old, I fully believed it because I never saw anything my dad could not fix. And he said, that's the way life functions in the kingdom. There's nothing I can't fix for you. Even your worst mistakes, he'll help you out. He specializes in delivering you from stupidity. And the good news is, see, this is the other part of being a child. You have to realize you were really, really stupid before you came into the kingdom of God. I don't care how accomplished you were. I don't care how many millions of dollars you were. You're still ignorant of the way the Lord works in the earth. We have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. That's a key place because you'll find anytime God gives a word, a rhema word, the enemy will work. Matthew 13, encourage you to read it in your homework. He will, he will try and no matter what that word produces, 30, 60, 100 fold, if it's lost, he will come to steal that word with things like, you're too old. You've never done this. This is hard. Listen, and that's another, that's another big thing I've been hitting on. Just because it's challenging doesn't mean it's not the Lord. That's, that's, that's Americans like, ah, you know, it's just going to be really hard. Yes, I know, but I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's a lie. You might have to wake up earlier than you wake up. You might have to give up Dunkin' Donuts. You just, there's a lot of things you might have to give up to fulfill the will of God for your life. When he had done this, he caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. Notice, Jesus said, nets. You'll also notice, this is why I want to show the scripture. He is putting his net in the same place he put his net all night. We live in this world, but we're not of this world. Listen to me. Listen to me, Linda. This is for some of you. Do not give in to the propaganda of the world. Well, you know, everything's cutting back in our industry. Did God call you there? Or did you call yourself there? That's something you got to ask yourself. Because if God called you there, the rules, favor of God, the rules of the world system don't apply to you. When they're letting everyone else go, you're getting promoted because you carry an advantage. I just, I just don't see how that's possible. You just said it. You don't see. And you're the center of your world, not God. They caught a great number of fish, and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat and came to come and help them. And he came and filled both boats, so they both began to sink. Notice this, that Peter's partners get affected from the word that he received. The world is supposed to benefit from the things you're receiving from heaven. So I just say, I said to people, well, I just don't think I got, well, let me grab your hand. I got favor of God. I'll help you out. Let me help you out. I'm God's friend.
So you'll notice he's in the world, but he's operating in the favor of God, and he's operating from a word from God, and it causes him to be advantaged, but it also causes everyone around him to be advantaged. Back to Genesis 37, we'll see that God speaks to Joseph in a dream. His life was established on this word from God that came in a dream. Question, how is your life being established right now? What is it that is frustrating in your life right now that maybe God never called you to do? We should live with an expectation that he wants to speak. There should be a posture of honor for the written word and the voice of God that causes us to live from that place. One of the signs sometimes you see with the people of God that they don't honor the word is really simply they won't even honor what a leader says in a meeting. I know sometimes there's extenuating circumstances. I know all that stuff. But many times, someone will stand, a worship leader will say, hey, let's all stand to our feet. And people just sit there like this. And they don't realize how rebellious they're being. If you won't honor the word of God of a leader, it's likely you're not honoring it in your lifestyle. So his life is defined by that word. Joseph's dream was an invitation to the heart and the character of God. When did that dream begin to be fulfilled? It began the moment he said yes. His life was defined by revealed knowledge. There's many different examples I can use, but I'll use this one example from my life. And I don't want to suggest that I've I've arrived or or got it all right or got every step of the right, but I'll I'll just give you part of the journey. 23 years ago, I never desired to be in ministry. I I, I really, this is funny to me when I stand up in front of people. Honestly, sometimes half the time I'm talking to people, I go, this is really funny, God. You got a sense of humor. I thought preachers were strange, especially traveling ones. Because the ones that came to my church lived in RVs. And they made their kids get up there to sing. And they all wore the same clothes. Even if they couldn't sing, they made them sing. Anyone been to that church? Like, we're going to have Junior sing and he can't sing. But I remember... My friend was just in a meeting with him. I said, I need to talk to this man. Young man, maybe a few years older than me, is preaching one night. I'm a freshman in college. And he's preaching this story about young people preaching the gospel in a Muslim nation getting beat for the cause of the gospel. And they throw them out. They come back. They preach the same day. And I remember sitting in the back of the room because I was backslidden and chasing girls. (laughs) And I thought to myself... I love God. I don't love him like that. But I had this sense 
that this was an invitation to change. And if I didn't surrender everything to the Lord that night, somehow my life would not be how God intended to be. Why? Because I was put around the things of God unto whom much is given, much is required. It is a dangerous thing to sit here week after week after week and never move from the place that you're at. It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that some people live in an American nation where there's such revelation, such freedom, and they hear things that are supposed to affect them, affect their family, and they sit there week after week, and they like where they're at. Not you, the person next to you. <laughs> there's some people, I noticed this, and I know that there's different places and different places where I, there's some people, if you told them Jesus Christ would be the guest speaker tonight, they said, we'll see about that. We'll try and get to that. And they've been trying to get to it for 25 years. Not for my sake. But one day you'll stand before him and he's not going to judge you for being a religious person. He's going to judge you for the purpose for which he brought you to the earth. He said, this is your life. You're going to get into heaven because you said a prayer and you did it with sincere heart. But this is what your life could have been and this is how your life could have been affected if you said yes to certain things I had for you. So you'll have very little to throw at his feet and you'll have some education to take place when you enter into eternity. The saddest place to ever have been is to have heard something that could have changed your life and never changed. No one's arrived, but there's got to be a posture of your heart that says, Lord, I will do what you ask me to do. I will say what you ask me to say. And there's, this is the shortest part of your existence. And some of you are going after the American dream. And that will never satisfy you. I remember I said, Lord, I just give my life to you. And literally when I said that, my whole life changed. I knew I was called to preach the gospel. I saw myself going around preaching the gospel. I don't know how I knew. It's just it's, The only way I know how to describe it is I, I never doubted that I'm a man from that moment forward. I never doubted that God called me to preach the gospel. That's why no one can ever talk me out of it. No one can say we don't believe. If there's no crowd, I know what God asked me to do. So I started. Do you know what's really interesting? He never much spoke to me for probably six or seven years about my ministry after that. I started, what am I called to do? I want you to be my friend. Revealed knowledge. I walk into this church about a year later. He goes, this is where you'll receive part of your training. Another step forward, revealed knowledge. One point there, he said, I don't ever want you to miss a service here in this season because there's things that you need to hear that are going to build the foundation of your life. Revealed knowledge. I walk in to this church. I think I'm like a junior. because I, I felt like I was supposed to stay in North Carolina my junior year of the summer when I'm in college. I walk in. I just want a job as a camp counselor as I needed a job for the summer. And the man goes, I want you to be my intern. My mind says, I don't want to be your intern. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't want to... I, he was, 
a different type of man. Just leave it there. Counsel will save you. So I talked to my pastor, Hope, and he said, no, no, we need you here. He goes, I think you need to take the position. I said, the devil is a liar. I went and obeyed the Lord. Now, this is where it gets fun. I think I was 21 and anointed, and I knew it. He let me share that first Sunday. God showed up, and he got scared and never allowed me in the pulpit again. It was one of the greatest things that ever happened to me. He was different. He said, I think you should work with the children in the back. No problem. Taught those children like I was preaching a thousand people every Sunday, prepared, worshipped. I said, if you give me the children, I'll be faithful to the children. I didn't sign up to this to be famous. He gave me a prayer meeting, though. That's where God would come in. About a year later, I'm on this journey. Again, to graduate school, again, in favor of God, get this position I wasn't asking for, get this graduate assistantship. It was really awesome until about a week and a half into the job, I realized the man did not like me. I know, I know, who would not like me? <laughs> no, that's what you're wondering. <laughs> I remember, this is what I told, you know, you know when you think you're, you're being spiritual, but you need a Holy Spirit spanking? You got diapers on, and you're the only one, you know, you're the only one who, you know, you're, no, Everyone knows it except you. You're pooping your diapers, and you know, and you think you're like Incredible Hulk. You really find out how strong you are when you get put in certain situations. You really do. You're like, you're like I'm good in this area, and then you realize, oh, I need lots of upgrades, and I need lots of deliverance. You're like, you're like, I, I love all people. <laughs> then you get that promotion on the job and you start getting criticized and you start, you're like, you're like that doesn't bother me. Yes, it does. That, <laughs> he'll help you out. He's incredibly practical. So I remember, I told, I said, I remember telling the Lord, I said, I don't need to take this, Lord. This man's abusing me. I always heard it and I had to hear it clear. He goes, that's right. You don't need to take this, but if you don't stay in this job, I can't do in, my, in your heart what I want to do in this season. I said, I said, the devil is a liar. So I went to a pastor that I was working with at the time. I was helping out in the ministry in the church. And I, I told him how bad it was. Oh, it was bad. It was so bad. I was being abused. And he goes, you know, for some reason, yeah, that's bad. For some reason, I think you need to stay in this position. I said, the devil is a liar. I'm telling you this because counsel will save your life. And I've learned... When, you're faith, when you know what God tells you to do, you will put it sometimes before counsel because you want them to tell you something you want to hear, not what God, the will of God is. So it's a big church. I went to the senior pastor this time. I'm telling you this to tell you the whole story of how counsel will save you. And in our church, it's a larger church after second service on Sunday, he would stay and talk with anyone who wanted to talk. So somebody would take an hour and a half. So I got in the line that Sunday, and I, you know, I told him how bad it was. It's bad, you know, 
you know, maybe because I'm Puerto Rican, maybe, you know. And uh, you tell him, you know. And he goes, God has something for you in this position. I said, the devil is a liar. <laughs> One more time I got. I called my dad up. Surely he would not want his beloved son abused in the workplace. I'm serious. I could have had a lawsuit the way I was being. I'm, I'm not even joking. That's not the way we function, though, as believers. As for someone in this room, you're looking for vengeance in a natural way. And God wants to be your judge. Offenses will come. But blessed is he who is not offended because of me. So I, I laid it into him. I, I make sure I took my time to tell him how bad it was. And he goes, how long did you sign up for that? I said, well, till I finished my degree. And he said to me, you need to, sometimes in life we need to make tough, we, we, make our, we make choices where we've committed to something and it's up to us to follow through even if it's really difficult. It took me three times, but I finally listened. And it was not easy. Lord, but I realized there was stuff on the inside of me that needed to get exposed. I always wondered, I always wondered before that, why would anyone shoot up their workplace? Back, back then it was called postal. I didn't want to kill everyone, just maybe one. Maybe one, not even kill, just one punch. I discovered I had emotions that I did not even know existed. And I began to learn, sometimes God puts you in these small spaces to expose what's really on the inside of you. Anger. And because back, I, I, had, I had a few things I needed deliverance from. I grew up in New Jersey in a Hispanic home. And I also have this justice call in my life. So if you did something back then I didn't really agree with, I just tell you right there. How do I look? Well, you look a little heavy with that shirt on. And I wasn't being mean. I was just being honest. You asked me what it, well, we didn't want you to be that honest. And if you did something I thought was wrong, I tell you right to your face. Well, they might fire you. Okay. That's how I thought, okay, if you're going to fire me for being honest, whatever. I finished the job. I finished my degree early. Had lots of motivation to finish early. I cried, literally cried my last day. But the Lord was doing this deep work on the inside of me. Five months later, gentleman, my church comes up to me and he says to me, I'd like you to come travel with me, traveled all over the world. I'd like you to be my traveling assistant. Never asked for it, favor of God. That was 17 and a half years ago. And here's something I learned too. I was a little naive and I thought because you were called to ministry, it meant you were whole. It just means you're called.
So my first ministry job was a hundred times more difficult than that job in graduate school. And I got to pass the test for three and a half years. And I needed that first open door because it was part of the formation of my life. I probably wouldn't stand in before you if I didn't go through that experience. So when, even when God has a dream on your life, in the midst of dream, you must embrace process. Process is the journey to learning to trust God in everything. Oh boy, I needed to walk into that office by faith almost every day. And there are dreams and there are purposes in your heart that must be birthed for the world to be as God intends it to be. Thank you, Lord. Moho hoyo mosokobolo. Sendere moya mahasokabaya. You received this word this morning? Thanks for being patient. If you receive this word, I just, I'm going to count to three. However this word ministered to you, but if there's a yes in your heart to it, it's a simple invitation from the Lord, and I'm just going to count to three, and on three just stand. But I'm telling you, by the Spirit of God, when many of you stand up this morning, the limitations to dream, the trauma, the roadblocks, they're just, there's like in the Spirit, I want you to see yourself breaking through those limitations. Because something's going to lift. A sign for some of you is three of you, you're just going to sleep tonight as never before. If you would just want to receive that, and as a yes to the word, one, two, three, just stand on your feet. Whoa! And I just want to encourage you, just lift your hands to heaven. Father, in the name of Jesus, by the authority you've given me, I just bless your people to walk out the purpose of God in their life. Father, I bless them to seek you first in the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto them. I bless them to walk to put you first, to put fellowship with you first, to put fellowship with you first and to know the goodness of God. By the authority you've given me, I say that the goodness of God is their portion, that they will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. I declare, Lord, that when they stand before you, they'll hear those beautiful words, well done, good and faithful servant. I declare that they are living for eternity in the name of Jesus. Father, I declare any hindrances, any obstacles, any things that, that have caused them to be overwhelmed, I just lift it off of them, and I declare that they are looking to you, the author and the finisher of, your, of their faith, that it, the power is hidden on the inside of them for all things. And I declare by the authority you've given me, Lord, 
that Global River Church will fulfill its eternal destiny, and you're causing it to dream again today in the name of Jesus. Father, that there'll be a time that there's uh, two and then three and then five services here on the weekend because of the harvest that you want to give them, that people will know that this is a place to receive restoration, reliving their dreams, healing, wholeness, We say that this will be known as a house of wholeness for the nations of the earth. This will be known as a house of prayer. Thank you for the privilege of being able to minister to your people today. I just want to count to three. And just uh, as I believe a signature to this weekend, I I just want us all to just lift our voice to heaven. Just as a sign of thanks, but also alignment with the purposes of God. So on three, one, two, three. Hey! Hey! We just look this way for just a moment. Thank you very much for being patient. Thanks for allowing me to come to minister, just being able to add just a small part to what God is doing here. Pastor Tom, thanks.